Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. On September 24th, 2007, the television show Big Bang Theory aired on CBS, launching a new era into making science cool again. This week's guest surely can appreciate this, considering his background. However, he was probably watching something else this night because it was Monday night and the Tennessee Titans were coming into town to face against his New Orleans Saints. Welcome to Fantasy Football Origin Stories, where each episode is a journey back in time to explore the unique experiences of some of the coolest and most influential people in the fantasy football industry. I'm your host, Arnie Chapman, also known as The Football History Dude. Now, I love fantasy football, and I want you to come along with me to explore the yesteryear of the armchair gridiron. So hop on board my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. This time's just about the DeLorean. The date is September 24th, 2007, and we're at the Louisiana Superdome on Monday night, getting ready to watch the New Orleans Saints take on the Tennessee Titans with our new buddy and guest for this week's show, John Bush, future co-host of Science of Fantasy Football. However, that's in the future because this is the first year that John got into fantasy football, or at least we believe, and the Saints are his favorite team. Unfortunately for him, it would not turn out well because the Saints ended up losing to the Titans 31-14 and ultimately falling to an 0-3 record on the season. Perhaps John does wish that he would have watched the premiere of Big Bang Theory after all. But I digress, and instead... We'll hop back on that DeLorean and come back to 2023 because we're going to learn more about science of fantasy football with this week's guest, John Bush. Dr. John Bush, that is, a real-life scientist. And we'll get into that in this interview, but if you want to learn more about John and his work, the fantasy football side of things, that is, you can head over to scienceoffantasyfootball.com or you can check out his YouTube channel by typing in Fantasy Football Science Professor. I'll tell you what. Learning the scientific method never sounded so cool. But for now, let's get into the interview with Dr. John Bush. The first question I'm really going to ask you, John, is like, how, what is, take me, taking you back in my DeLorean, take me back to the time of you, like, like your first memory of either playing or participating in fantasy football. So, uh, <laughs> The first time I, I was invited into a fantasy football league was a fellow uh, PhD, a geologist. Uh, there was a group uh, over at the medical school, so MDs, PhD types, 
And the league was called Science Hell. So you were against all these, I guess, smart folks, uh, MD, PhDs. And so they said, hey, we're playing fantasy football. Didn't know anything about it. So I got baptized into it. I think it was about 2007 and uh, loved it. Uh, all the metrics, the data and everything is started my, my journey, but uh, it took a while. And then I pretty much uh, did so well. I won so many years from those guys that I, I, I was unofficially asked, you know, give others a shot. So I left the league <laughs> and I've moved on to bigger and better things. But uh, that's where I cut my teeth was uh, the old science hell fantasy football league way back. It was uh fan ball or I don't even remember some of the websites we were on for a while, but that started it off. Uh, didn't know anything about it. And, but, as a biologist, as a scientist, uh, having trained since the 70s, data analysis, stats, forecasting, it all came naturally. Of course, these were shop folks, too, so they had those same background skills. So it was kind of mano a mano against uh, really smart folks. Do you remember who your, your what your team was, Cause, like your core or your new Yeah, uh yeah, my team was called the Whackers, since my last name is Bush. Uh, was the Bushwhackers, so just the <sighs> Whackers. And uh, that was part of the uh, entry, was the other members of the league got to name you something off your name. So I didn't pick my name. It was picked for me. So I was the Whackers. Was it like a, uh, okay, so was it an in-person draft? Did you do like the online thing? Uh, we did an online thing. Was, who, okay, so give me maybe your top three players from that that, that year, if you can remember them. <laughs> oh, uh, I remember that the quarterback position was skewed because it was six points for passing touchdown instead of four. And it was one point per 10 yards. It was, in other words, it was kind of, if you looked at the previous way they scored, quarterbacks were worth more than traditional. So I may have grabbed, I probably grabbed a quarterback early you know, probably first or second round because I didn't know any difference there and really, you know, didn't know it. I don't know if it was who was Rogers. I probably could have been Breeze, Drew Breeze. Uh, I'm a big Saints fan, so it might have been uh, him back in the day. So uh, I know I had Rogers early uh, on when he started in that league. Uh, I, I think I left in 2000. 12 or 13, but uh, probably Drew Brees. I'm going to say Drew Brees was the one I remember a lot. And maybe Mark, maybe, yeah, go. Uh, maybe Marcus Colston or somebody to pair up with Brees, kind of that stack concept that I really wasn't even aware of. Somebody, I was kind of a Saints homer, so maybe Deuce McAllister or somebody like that. 
Yeah, I'd see that, especially when you first starting off, you kind of like do a lot of homer picks and everything. And I, that was the year. So Brady, when he when he threw for fifty touchdowns, so if you're six point passing, that would have he that team won the league, I'm sure. Uh, you won my team. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, okay. So, well, let's let's then transition into before we get into like your origin for the science of fantasy football. Like, what's your greatest memory as a fantasy football owner? Greatest memory? Uh, probably repeating in that league. Uh, I think uh, the comment was nobody's ever repeated in the history. And apparently the history of this league went back to where they were having to use paper and, uh, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, it wasn't online or anything. It was kind of done by paper and scoring. And so this, uh, this a lot of the people apparently had changed a lot over the years. So this was a, a left. It's still going now. But I think they've been going for a long time in, you know, pencil and paper league that, that morphed into, uh, the online. But that was my best earliest memory when I, I doubled up and, and, and carried the league, uh, twice. So that was, uh, pretty good for me. So as a player, then, I mean, you said initially, like, okay. You have a propensity, of course, with your your background being a PhD and everything with in in this, as a scientist. Uh, do you okay? Is it just analytics, looking at stats, projections, or do you factor in like on field? Um, we'll call variables. Uh, nowadays, I am interested in cognitive biases. Okay. I am interested in decision-making under uncertainty. So I have really branched out, uh, tried to teach myself behavioral economics, uh, kind of catching up in other fields, kind of why we do what we do, how we're fooled by randomness, uh, trying to understand that we are uh, uh, Easily tricked by what we see and uh, easily swayed by sensational activities and things that we note. And, uh, you know, we're biased uh, against, you know, because of these issues. I mean, we're humans. Our ancestors, uh, you know, the fight or flight, if the weeds moved, uh, you jumped up the tree. The ones that move the weeds is, what is that? And the saber tooth got them. Uh, they're gone. So our ancestors were up the tree and if it was the wind, okay, no harm. You know, they came down and moved on, but, uh, you know, we have that in us and, uh, that type of thinking kind of overrides our Spock brains. I want to call it. So we have kind of the, Fight or flight thinking versus the logical and the logic takes back seat to jumping up the tree. And so, uh, we, it's a constant battle, uh, between those systems of thinking. Uh, uh, thinking fast and slow is the book that you should read. 
talks about the two levels of thinking. I've read that several times, that book. Fool by Randomness is another book that I would recommend. So those would be two key books that I would use to at least illustrate what I'm trying to do now. So beyond analytics, uh, using the science method, gathering data, making hypotheses, and trying to figure out a way to test it, right? The science method, and then changing, finding a, a new finding, and then testing that. So questions and letting that drive the research. So if there's on-field variables, they would be part of the uh, data that I'm taking, and they would, you know, try to shoehorn them into some further questions that I have. And I'm deep into questions right now in my research. Uh, I'm probably working eight hours a week or so, been working that way for the last month or so on, uh, you know, looking at last season and trying to understand what happened. You know, that reminds me of the, uh, we'll call it like, I've been burned by a player before. Just use Christian McCaffrey this past year as an example, because he was injured and everybody, you know, injury prone. He's, he's labeled injury prone. And if you didn't, we're not willing to take him. I mean, look what he had an excellent, I mean, I don't know where he landed. I think number two or three is running back. But yeah, that that right there, that, that whole, was it a saber tooth or just the wind kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, if you look historically, in fact, uh, just talked about this on our podcast, uh, Science of Fantasy Football.com. Check us out. Uh, he did, if you look historically from 2000 on, I actually, I'm going to pull up the spreadsheet. He, he did five, by my data, like 356 fantasy points. And that's six years out of experience. Nobody, uh, running backs tend to stay about the same or go down over time. He did something that just hasn't been done. Somebody like LaDamian Tomlinson would be another example. It is so rare, maybe Matt Forte. We're talking a handful of players over the last 23 years have ever done anything like that historically. So it was something that we may go a while before we see that kind of uh, performance again. He really moved up kind of in that uh, pantheon of greats by having that kind of season, kind of a, uh, you know, and I, I would love to see him have the longevity of somebody like an Adrian Peterson. I'm looking, and he, he did well in his seventh year. It's like he got hurt in eight. Looks like ninth year he did pretty good too. So maybe three more years out of uh, CMC that would be so great, especially in dynasty if you have him uh, redraft. Uh, I would not shy away from him, uh, but you know at some point age catches up with everybody. So just you know cautious. I wouldn't overpay. But I wouldn't, you know, ignore him either. So whatever that means, you're going to have to decide for yourself, you know, this summer or whenever you draft, uh, you know, the ADP, you know, the, what's, what's value? And that becomes a really interesting 
question. If you want to figure out a question, Arnie, uh, uh, ask everybody what, what they consider value because in this industry, nobody really can uh, tell you exactly what value means. Uh, people's got, got all sorts of definitions and the advantage of science and data science. There are scientists get together, form a society, decide what are definitions and, and procedures and processes and they're decided on. In fantasy, we don't have that. It's anybody jumps on and screams loud enough, they can have their own process and definition. And so what an expert is, is another problem. And I wrote an article, The Expert Problem in Fantasy Football, and you can look into that. And not claiming I'm an expert because I'm an expert in biology, actually microbiology, actually eukaryotic microbiology actually uh i study an amoeba about that and so i'm very narrow and deep in my focus that's what scientists are but that's an issue you will find and that will haunt a lot of people because they will see something especially if you're just a casual fan and somebody will say value or it's their season or bust and you'll think you understand what that means, but there's definitions that are not defined by the community. There's no organization in the community. So it varies. And so you're kind of on your own trying to figure out what what things like that mean. Yeah, I mean, you're able to put a different light or I guess a perspective on using the scientific method than just the standard. I'll just use me as a fantasy football fan. Like I, I watch the guys on the field. I look at the stats. And I go, man, that dude's going to have a good year. But you had something, I guess we'll call it at some point, your eureka moment, I guess. Hopefully it wasn't just like the guy who had the eureka moment in the bathtub and ran down the streets. But <laughs> I don't know All if these fans... Are, Archimedes, Archimedes! Yeah, there is the guy's Archimedes. name. I was trying to remember what it was. I talked about him on my football history show a while back, Is like, an in, but I can't. Re- I couldn't remember what the name was. So at any rate, um, you, how about go take us back to the DeLorean moment, the Eureka moment, whatever it is, for when you said, <laughs> I'm going to have science of fantasy football and run me through the timeline up until today on fantasy football origin stories. Okay, so... Uh, after kind of getting kicked out of uh, science hell, uh, I was bad. Uh, very few people make it out of hell, and I did. Uh, so I started my a blog, actually, and I was probably up there still somewhere. And I started applying my stats to it the first year. I actually wrote a textbook. It was like two or three hundred, uh, two or three thousand pages of my uh, data and whatnot, and it is overkill, and I realized that I've come full circle to realize I'm overkill, and very few are going to really have to, you know, that just nobody's interested in getting as deep as me, so it's all my personal satisfaction of my own journey and figuring things out, and I hope by uh, teaming with my partner in crime, D. Mike, that uh he's a meteorologist uh that we impart at least some of our processes right i 
think I sent you my uh, professor's process and kind of my tenets. And one of them is trying to educate people uh, the, uh, to be a, a, a scholar on the data and learn what they can in their time frame, right? Not everybody's going to do it. That's fine. You know, I'm not going to take your gold star away, right? I'm going to encourage everybody to, to, to learn, right? And to explore. That was my origin in the sense that that's what I want to do is turn people into a scholar, right? That's what PhDs do, if you have graduate students, you kind of clone them. You make them you, and their process is the way they approach science and problems. And so I hope that the few that are listening to me, and and I have video lessons as well on the site. I I have a YouTube site as well uh, called The Process, and I talk about these things that I'm doing and maybe people can uh, learn a little bit and help their game. So whether it's just kind of, you know, touch a little bit or get really deep as much as I am deep, uh, I'm hoping I can help people move to that next step and at least realize, you know, there is something behind the curtain and maybe be a little bit more cautious when they see things like bust or, uh, you know, value and just, you know, what's that really mean? You know, is that really true? Just to be a little bit more questioning, if, if I can do that, that would be good. So I, I know it, you know, there's no money in this. You know, it's just something as an educator, I've been teaching students and graduate students since the 80s. Uh, and so it's just, I like to teach and do research. I'm a, I'm a researcher who likes to teach and that's fun for me. So I think I got off topic, Arnie, and I apologize. Uh, that's just the professor in me. <laughs> that's okay. So it actually, as you were talking, so reformulate your question. Yeah, yeah, no, ahead. no, I, yeah, reformulate. I have to reformulate. I come back to the hypotheses and let you break break it down. So my, I was just thinking when as you were talking there, it's almost like the okay in the marketing world they call it puffery when someone says we're the the world's greatest whatever gadget gizmo. Uh, it's not that it's provable. It's nothing. It's just it's just marketing aspect, and that's the same thing as like you could say bust or stuff. It's just words that maybe get people to start kind of the buzzwords that make them think about something or put you above. And you mentioned earlier the guy that talks the loudest, or maybe the person that has you know a really good comedy routine as part of their fan. You know the stuff that people pay attention to versus just maybe digging further deep into it. So what can um, if someone, cause you said that, you know, who wants to read this massive thesis potentially, but what can somebody do <laughs> through your site or through other personal research? Like what would you suggest the, the newcomer to wanting to take the approach of science of fantasy football? Yeah. Uh, I would probably have somebody, if they were just starting out, they probably, there's probably sites to just understand the, the, the limits of the game and how to play it. So our site is probably a little bit more kind of that next second or third step. So if you had a little experience, uh, just come, come to the, to the site, listen to my uh, 
lessons and just try to catch some of it. And I believe in my process, I, I, I talk about, uh, yeah, I'm pulling up the professor's process. Uh, so I call it use of a textbook philosophy. The, my, my material is quickly read. I mean, you could scan it quickly, right? I don't know if people read for, you know, how they're taught to read anymore, but it's slowly understood. So it's, you're going to have to break it down and read it a couple times and then kind of go away and come back and read it again. My second, and these are bullet points. If you just want to go and look at my process, uh, it's beyond what you need today, right? If you're just starting, but I'm, I want to inspire your research. I do research in the sense to make me learn more and push me. So you're getting the, 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 uh, results of my journey anyway. I'm doing stuff I would do anyway, and I'm just putting it out there. It's uh, pretty easy in fantasy to get kind of lazy and let things just kind of slide because you really don't get any feedback until the end of the season. So there's a lot of slow feedback. It's not like you stick your finger in the light socket. You get feedback instantly. Right. You put your hand, you know, you're a little kid and little kids are scientists, by the way. So raising my daughter, if she was in the high chair and would throw food over and look at it, she was testing gravity. And I understand that. So in fantasy, you might use some free leagues and just do some experiments and see what you're things are and get you some feedback, but it's going to take a while to get that instant feedback. You should never use week-to-week in feedback because you'll miss more of the long-term. Fantasy football is the complete season if you're in a traditional. I understand daily fantasy and, and, you know, we're talking quarter by quarter or play by play, but for the traditional, you know, uh, redraft league, it's you know, you get uh, feedback at the end of the year. Did you make the playoffs? To me, make the playoffs is good Good feedback. You did something right. Uh, it's not the easiest way to uh, present the, the information already, it's, it's, but it's my way. You will not master everything I have laid out. Just accept it. This is not something that you can look at Whatever it is, you know, you can't learn to be, you know, when you learn to drive a car, right? You just can't watch somebody. You can't get in and back up down the the driveway and expect, okay, I know how to drive now. You've got to practice. You've got to get feedback and and go through different, you know, a snowstorm. uh, What about a wet road? Think about you as a kid. Your parents were just worried to death you were getting in a car because you had never seen everything that you could potentially run into on the road. And uh, if I handed it to everybody, right, I have, it's not the same as you working for it, right? I mean, I mean, people talk about helicopter parents and if you do everything for your kids, you know, wiping them up at the end of the day, that really doesn't help them learn. So I try not to hand 
feed, just kind of here I am, this is what I'm doing. And uh, remember, most people in this, creators, they have sites, they get clicks, and they would rather you come back and not learn anything, just listen to their opinions, right? Because that makes uh, them money. And so I'm trying to wean folks off of that and try to inspire life. Here it is, inspire lifelong scholarship in an inquiry-driven fantasy football research. And I don't know if I lost you or not. Nope, I'm still here. So actually, that, that's a that's a good point. In my other okay. show, uh, F- Football History Dude, so I talked to a professor that he teaches uh, various history, American history, worldwide history, such and he even has it where he has one class that's called American football history and it's, you can get college credit for it. And oh, wow. he does that through the lens of teaching his students football. They think they're learning something really cool and interesting football history. But then of course, in each particular course, uh, whatever you call it module, I guess you could say he's explaining like how the social impact of world war two and maybe rubber rationing, and then how the players turned into this type of protocol because of, you know, losing so many players of the war. Like he'll give, like he'll through the lens of like for you through the lens of fantasy football, but learning the scientific method and learning a lot of other things in life that they can gain. So I I appreciate that. Uh, Artie, just to let you know, I haven't told you, my dad was a history professor for 30 something years and I actually took him for American history and uh, I never set the curve. I was like number two or three. So he chewed my butt (laughs) because I wasn't number one. But uh, uh, I actually audited his favorite uh, advanced history was diplomatic history, looking at treaties and, you know, early American history and uh, using the eyes of diplomacy. And uh, he had a textbook and I read the textbook. And so I did that for fun as well. Uh, but he told me early on, there's no money in history. So go do something else. So I end up getting my degree in zoology and starting as a biologist. So, I mean, before I, I I'm going to move on to the, the, um, a couple other questions, sure. but I do want to ask you, make sure you tell the listener, we talked about your site and your work where, okay, give a, give the name of the website again, but also where else could the listener of the show get in touch with you if they're interested? Yeah. So it is uh science of fantasy football.com it's all one word so it's www.scienceoffantasyfootball.com I am on Twitter as most everybody should be and uh, my home is uh, my Twitter handle is at prof p-r-o-f underscore fantasy one I guess I don't know if there is a professor fantasy <laughs> no number, but I was I was professor underscore fantasy one, and that is and you can follow our uh, our uh, podcast. We do in in season. We're doing three podcasts a week, Arnie. We we do a Wednesday, kind of a Friday Saturday, and we. Uh, uh, for frequency's sake, as a as kind of a sister website, and we do something called Data Lab. Dennis and I do Data Lab, 
And, uh, so I'm during season, we're, we're talking, uh, a lot here. And my partner in crime is, uh, DMC media. So it's at DMIC media, all one word on Twitter. And Dennis is quite an interesting character as well. And so together we are the uh, science of fantasy football dot com folks. Did that is that what you needed? Oh on? yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. So like if a listener wanted to interact with you, ask your questions, but then also to get to your websites, thank you for also including Dennis in here. We'll have to put all that stuff in the show notes. Uh, I Oh, this would be a great, you know, as a meteorologist, he's had, you know, history of meteorology and you guys would have a great time. And he's in the NASCAR and uh, ultimate fantasy uh, frisbee. He calls that the Chicago. What's the name? Chicago has a professional frisbee team and he he's their announcer. At least he was last summer. And they, they did good this year. So if you're in that area, I guess you may apparently you go out to the field and watch them. I don't know if they hit each other with a free. <laughs> I don't know how to play that game. I'm, they don't have it down here in Arkansas. I would not go in the, the woods here in Arkansas and throw things. You're liable to be mistaken for a deer or something. So, you know, folks right here are pretty serious. Uh, anything moving in the woods. No, I'm obviously playing to the hillbilly uh, stereotype. I was born in Arkansas, lived in Louisiana most of my life, so, you know, I can kind of make fun of Arkansas. <laughs> well, no, I appreciate it. I want to get Dennis on the show, too. Um, I know that, so, you're really, I guess we'll call it your superpowers, your, your, if you went, your Marvel on the back of your cape, you know, <laughs> is the scientific method and breaking down, analyzing from a different angle, yes. but... And I know, okay, so you're not one to say, well, I'm just going to give you a list of players and not explain anything because that's what a lot of people are looking for. However, give me your Mount Rushmore of maybe oh, wow. players that you planted your flag on over your career. I guess I'm using air quotes your career because I know it's not being for oh, pay, wow. but your Mount Rushmore of players you planted your flag on. Wow. Uh, well, I think, I mean, I, I, you know, I remember last year and, uh, Dennis and I were really in on uh, the sun god. We really, in a lot of my leagues, yeah, yeah, we really loved him. Uh, Amon Ra, we just, we were all in on him. Uh, Jalen Hurst is the rushing quarterback. That is this phenomenon. We saw it. You know, early on, it kind of, kind of died down. And now we're fully back historically into that. And they just, he brings so many points, him and some other ones to the table. And I talk about that in my, my data and I'll be, you know, recapping all the, the quarterbacks. So uh, I tend to probably plant my flag on wide receivers and, uh, Quarterbacks and of course tight end. You, everybody knew Kelsey, and I was wrong on Mark Andrews uh, and Kyle. Kyle Pitts. I was, you know, it's one of these hope he gets better. Hope it's a better situation, and you know, I'm kind of 
my human side is, I was depressed for his output last year. It made me sad because I felt like there was so much talent and he's not the only one there. You know, the people are surrounding some of these good players kind of mask what those good players can do. So you always look carefully at players changing teams. I always want to hope that it's a better opportunity. And so maybe I'm an optimist there, you know, especially if you can draft them cheap. And I'm going to, you know, here I am talking about definitions and I'm putting that word cheap in quotes because it's only cheap to me, right? There is no university universal standard definition for value or cheap or bust or, but in my head, cheap. So as far as running backs, uh, you know, I took Taylor when I had the first draft. I took CMC. I took Eckler. Just, you know, kind of whatever was given to me early. And then, uh, if, you know, the top three or four, I took Henry. So I was kind of hit and miss on some of those, but running backs are so much different than wide receivers on longevity. And I've got all that data laid out and we can look at, you know, kind of trends that have been happening. So last year it was on raw for my favorite. And I really thought Brandon Cooks was going to do well, uh, Dante Johnson, I really was drafting all I could. So I hit one out of three, you know, out of the park and the other ones kind of limped along for me. Uh, and you know, I, I don't know how to quantify bad team, great player concept. I, I don't know if there's a way to get a handle on that question and people get tricked by that. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the fire never gets to burn as bright as you know it could. And uh, that's that that's a hard thing to live with as a fantasy player. As you know, you know they got talent and they're just not able to show it. And that really is frustrating for me and others, I'm sure. We all have that frustration. So uh but that was last year. Uh Previous years, Harney, I kind of, you know, kind of like etcher sketch. I shake it. <laughs> I'm done with that year. You know, I, 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 you know, you can go look at it. You know, our past and some of our articles, and you can, you can see what we're working on. But I'm kind of, I, I'm not a dynasty player. Dennis is heavily into dynasty, so uh, I'm a. I suck at dynasty. I mean, I have one team. I have let Dennis take over. I told him it's, I, I paid the fee and he's my manager because I, I suck. I should be in the corner with the dunce hat. I don't, you know, I am not strong. And so I would urge people listening. If you find your weakness, unless you got plenty of time, why don't you? Soar with your strengths instead. Don't soar with your weaknesses. In other words, if you're not good at dynasty, don't take on 10 new teams in dynasty and expect something to change a lot, 
right? If you're good at redraft, stick to it. Or if you're good at superflex, stick to or whatever it is you're good at, find it through your diary. I'm a big uh, proponent of diaries. I have a whole article. You can go look about how to make a diary. And then people can look, see what they're good at. And I'll give you an example. This year, 2023, I am going to draft more in August than I've ever done. Turns out a lot of my championships I won were those I was drafting either very early. I, I, I hit two or three like in May and maybe early June, but I sucked from about late June, July. I was worthless. All my leagues blew up. I mean, I made some playoffs, but I'm actually talking about getting paid. It was my August teams mainly where I got paid a little bit early. So my diary told me that I probably, and something's going on with me as a human, probably too much noise in June and July. Everybody's shouting from the rooftops, and I think that muddles my thinking. At least that's my hypothesis. So uh, I'm going to be changing based on my diary, uh, and uh, we'll see what happens. I urge everybody to... If they didn't do one last year, if you, if it's too late, go and look at your league, look at how you drafted, look at your weekly, who did you pick up, who did you drop, just kind of start putting that down. You know, are you good at picking up tight ends, you know, like a streaming tight end or a quarterback? Or you, do you suck at that? You need to know so you can structure your league in 2023 to try to be a little better. That's the learning process. Use your diary. You basically just normally gave me what I would end with a drop the mic moment, but I wanted to still play a little bit of a game with you. So we're going to do that. That's a Delor- It's another DeLorean oh moment, goodness. man. Uh-huh. You're going to go into the future, and this is okay. going to be not about trying to pick players. It's not about trying to pick anything else. It's going to be more from the strategic perspective. In 20 years... What do you think yep. is going to be different about fantasy yep. football, or what could you see be different about fantasy football than it is today? I'm wondering if we don't have some type of uh, a virtual fantasy football, kind of historical fantasy football, where they take data from past seasons and players and put that into uh, a format that you can draft Damian Tomlinson again, but under these conditions or, you know, I, I think AI and whatnot will allow us to construct virtual teams, you know, predictive based on historical models and people can be playing fantasy 24, seven, 365, you know, I think there'll still be uh, football. I don't know if it'll be flag football. I don't know the, you know, I know, you know, concussions and things. I don't know if there'll be, maybe a hundred years now, be robots playing instead of humans, but, you know, something like a, some dystopian thing, right? Uh, Hunger Games, right? You'll, uh, people will play for life and death stakes on the football field, you know. I, I think it's a scary moment when that's why people like those hunger games. And Stephen King wrote a book called The Long Walk about a game where everybody just walked. And if you stopped and 
you know, they pretty much shot you and moved you out of the way, and you kept going, whoever was left. And whoever survived to end got crowned, you know, all their money and the rest of their life was taken care of. It was called the long walk. And, uh, you know, uh, I think what was that? There was a game, uh, an Arnold movie. I know Richard Dawson was the host. Anyway, it was, it was a game like that. So I wonder if what we see on the field will be completely different now and be all virtual. We'll be in metaverse, maybe meta football, right? We'll take our goggles and we'll be on the field and maybe we'll have shock devices and, you know, that we'll get punished if we do something bad. So I'm just wondering if that's where we're going, a virtual fantasy based on history and then uh, where we can be the players, yeah, I mean, I could see something like that too, and uh, reminds me of that one. Uh, just uh, can't think of what that movie is called. Ready Player One. I didn't actually watch that yet, but that that seems like what yeah, that's all okay, about. There you go. Um, okay, so with the last question here, give the listener of the show some parting fantasy gridiron knowledge nuggets, wisdom, we'll call it, through the lens of the science of fantasy football. Okay, besides a diary, which I think uh, is is essential, you've got to know yourself. There are lots of books that allow you to understand how you make decisions and why, and you need to at least consider what's going on. Uh, I would do a lot of background work, a lot of, uh, you know, drafting. I use best ball, cheap best ball leagues to get practice. Uh, they have some on, uh, I play a lot on FFPC. They have some called $5 best ball teams. So, you know, you can take $50 and play draft 10 teams and that gives you background and, you know, keep track of, you know, the ADPs and that kind of thing. So I use best ball as a method to kind of get my game ready for my redraft later in the summer. Right. I'm certainly pay attention to the combine and the, the rookies and whatnot. And I've got some data on all that uh, metrics for rookies and these kind of things you can check out. But I would play best ball, definitely a diary. I would play best ball. I would do mock drafting. But best ball, I think, makes it real because there's something on the line and it makes you focus versus some of these mock drafts. People draft two and then they're gone and you're just playing against the robots. And uh, so that would be my uh, wisdom there. I don't know if, and of course, check out our my material on D Mike at fantasy scienceoffantasyfootball.com. I guess that would be it, Artie. There you go. A scientific approach to fantasy football. Who would have thought science could be cool, right? If you're interested in John's work, head over to scienceoffantasyfootball.com. If you'd like to learn about this show and our other guests, head to fantasyfootball 
OriginStories.com. And don't forget to leave us a rating and review on your podcast player of choice. And believe me, you'll want to make sure that you're subscribed or followed or whatever else your app calls it before the end of the week. Because next week, we have another awesome guest on our show. If you're listening to a fantasy football podcast, I'm pretty sure you know who this guy is. Next week, we have Matthew Barry to ride shotgun in the DeLorean with us to take us back in time to learn about his fantasy football origin story. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fantasy Football Origin Stories. To make sure you're the first to get the next episode, please make sure to mash that little subscribe or follow button on your podcast player of choice, then head over to the website for the show notes and more Fantasy Football Origin Stories. That's at fantasyfootballoriginstories.com. And remember, dudes, where we're going, we don't need roads. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.